0: Hey, what's up, everybody? The Movie Boys are back this week with a brand new episode of Movie Time, and I have a feeling this is going to be kind of a doozy of an episode. So this week, we're going to be talking about movies based off of two iconic figures. One is David Bowie with Moon Age Daydream that's playing in theaters now and a recently released Netflix movie, Blonde. So we'll be talking about Marilyn Monroe, and there's a lot of controversy around this movie. Blake and I have some thoughts we want to share with all of you. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. It's that time for movie time coming up right now. Hey! What's up, everybody? The boys are back in town. It's another episode of Movie Time. You got myself, Renee, low-key geek here, and my boy, Blake, the wolf. What's going on, dude?
1: Renee, it's been a few weeks. I've missed this. We've seen a few new movies, and a couple of them we've both seen. And, you know, my favorite thing to do when we both see a movie, we talk about it. Absolutely. What up? How are you doing, man?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be back doing this with you um for those of you who are regulars uh we weren't able to record the last week and a half or two weeks because i was actually on the road i decided to do a road trip to denver colorado for my niece's wedding which was fantastic and everything but boy 50 plus hours of driving it's just a lot of driving and i needed some time to recoup when i got back but yeah this this whole week has been like movie catch-up for me so i've been trying my best to catch up Mm -hmm. on stuff we're not going to be able to talk about a lot of the movies that we we saw. Um, we hope to maybe later on down the line cover those uh, eventually, which I'm sure we will. But this particular episode, we are going to be talking about two movies right now. And that is the new Netflix movie that just released called Blonde, a movie about Marilyn Monroe, and the David Bowie kind of theatrical biopic experience called Moon Age Daydream. Moon
1: Age Daydream. And
0: yeah, uh, yeah, it's an interesting episode because we're talking about two big icons in pop culture history. Um, You know, you may look at these people as maybe sometimes controversial or what have you. Uh, Definitely one of the movies is pretty controversial as of right now, and we'll talk about that as we go into it. But If you are new to the channel and you're just coming across this video and you're seeing these two knuckleheads talking back and forth here, welcome. This is the Movie Time podcast where two buddies get together and we bullshit about movies and we talk about stuff. We usually talk about what the latest movie is of the week or we kind of just pick a movie topic and we just talk about that. Um, So definitely thank you for watching. Don't forget, hit that like button, subscribe, notification bell, all that good stuff. Uh, If you enjoy what you're seeing and you want to see more of this stuff, um, if you prefer an audio version of this show, you can find us on your podcast platform of choice. Just do a search for Loki Geek and you'll find the channel there where you could download this episode and many others. And I'll give a disclaimer first in the top here. These are biopics. So we're going to be just going on full ham on these things. If you don't want to get spoiled on anything that you haven't seen yet, that's your choice. Maybe pause this right now, bookmark this, save this video, come back to it after you've seen it. Or if you just want to hear us talk about stuff and you don't really care, or you know what you're getting into, obviously you're watching this right now, then continue watching, hang out, and listen to us yaddle and smaddle about these two movies. So, first off, all right. <clears throat> I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty hot topic, a hot a hot subject to
1: talk about. We've talked about... Some, some like it hot, Renee.
0: Uh, hey, you know, and that I'll is true. It. Um, Some do. And uh, maybe it gives you an itch for seven years after, okay. after you know, thinking about it. Uh, or maybe some people prefer the conversation. Ah, uh, there he goes. Oh. Gentlemen <laughs> prefer
1: the movie Blonde, for That's sure. That's right. Okay, we'll um, get to our reviews. I'm yeah. excited to talk about this one, man. Oh
0: yeah. Um you know we we've talked about we've talked about Biopics before. Uh Elvis comes to mind and that was like a pretty popular episode of ours uh when we talked. And it's one of those things because you and I are pretty familiar with Elvis's story and all that. Now when it comes to Marilyn Monroe, um I am only familiar with obviously the not controversy, but the things that stood out in her life and in, in her career, you know, um, her start in Hollywood, what she did, a little bit of her childhood growing up. I feel like, you know, and obviously the the relationships and everything, you know, those are the things I'm a little bit familiar with. Um, this movie definitely does take cues from a novel that it's based off of that is somewhat like a, a, a autobiography on Marilyn Monroe. Um, but this director in general really took a lot of liberties from what I've read and what I've seen. Um, it's directed by Andrew Dominic, who I'm not exactly too familiar with. Um, Blake, are you more familiar with his stuff in the past?
1: Um, all of our letterbox bros who so are going to the comment section and mad at because he's not too familiar with Andrew Dominic.
0: Sorry. Uh
1: uh, um yeah I'll just go that route real quick. First off it's the the novel's technically biographical fiction. And so it's interesting yeah. because this the the movie and the novel they have to do things like they change people's names or they don't refer to someone's name because like okay did this thing really happen with this person? I do still think of this as a biopic. Biopic. Damn it. Okay. You I said more, I used way. to call him biopic for for um like a like a biopsy. Um <laughs> At the end of the day, like there's there's characters who are representational of, you know, it's pretty clear her second husband is Joe DiMaggio, her third husband is Arthur sure. Miller. There's no confusion yeah. for the audience who know yeah. these references at all. But did those things actually happen? Did JFK in that scene actually happen? We'll be sure to get to that one, don't worry. Yeah. Um I think it's a biopic in the way that it tells the tabloid. The fantastical story of marilyn monroe and one question is like if things are believed about someone and printed about someone are they true like did they actually happen in the closed room with no cameras and and no witnesses like right but if 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 everyone believes it or like and so at the end of the day i kind of think of it as a biopic but it's also like a a, a morality story of like Mm. this type of person this because Marilyn Monroe is an icon. She essentially transcends her individual self and experiences. And, you know, James Dean, they like kind of they die young and they live forever and they are Mm -hmm. bigger than any one human body (laughs) could ever contain. So do the actual facts matter as much as this is a story about the legacy of someone and in some ways in some ways the very like titillating gossipy factoids about their life that may or may not be true. And in s- some things that are true and uh, almost un- unreal to believe, which any good biopic you have the, uh, when reality is better than fiction. Sure. Uh, and yeah. um, so that, that's, that's, that's one aspect as far as um, uh, going back to Andrew Dominic, for me, it's uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford is yeah. his beloved Letterboxd bros movie for it. It's a lot of cinephiles have it. As, like, their number one, like, among their top movies. Um, and it's the cinematography, uh, by Roger Deacons. Um, uh, the other one is Killing Them Softly, uh, starring Brad Pitt and produced by Brad Pitt's company Plan B. Uh, loved that movie a lot, but it was more of like a shoot 'em up, kind of a Guy Ritchie type mm-hmm. of movie. So I've seen a few of his and loved them very much. This one, very different, although. Still, like there's a lot of directing It's He's a very heavy handed director in his own way. Yeah. You definitely feel his effect on the movie, but we'll we we'll, we can get into uh, into more of that stuff. but yeah, I uh, love Andrew Dominic as a director this, this one was was a, a turn left right? it was it was interesting
0: interesting. yes, Uh that is a a nice way to put it for sure um so i i'll I'll give my little take on the movie so far. so or just off the bat here, the things I really appreciated about this movie. One, I thought the the directing and the cinematography was really gorgeous to, to watch. Um, you know, all his choices to switch between widescreen and the 3 by 4 the black and white to the color. You know, um, a lot of the transitions that he used, you know, when... Uh, Anna, Anna de Armas could be in one room, she gets up and she just walks and she's in a totally different scenario. Yeah, you know, all that stuff was done beautifully and brilliantly. I really, really love that a lot. The use of sound design and sound effects. Um, now, you watched it in a theater, I watched it at home. So I don't know how it came across, but he would emphasize sounds a lot throughout this movie. Um, yeah. The crackling of the fire, the buzzing of a fly, the unwrapping the of a rapper. Shop,
1: s- shots yeah. from the paparazzi that sound like gunfire. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Like, I really, really appreciated that and how it emphasized certain moments as they were happening. Really, really well done. Um, Anna de Armas, her acting in this movie, this is probably the best um thing that she's ever done to date. You know, I've loved her when she would pop up in, you know, a lot of the action movies that she's done cuz she's done a lot of like really like action movies kind of like the femme fatale or whatever the case is. The the unexpected um, person that you would know, who would think who can kick ass and be a badass and all that, and you know, cause you only look at her and she's gorgeous and everything, but then she can really kick your butt and stuff like that. You know, I, I'm so used to seeing her like that, and I and I want her to do more stuff like that. Seeing her in this role, being extremely vulnerable, being basically, um, she took a lot of risk, I think, in this role. And yeah. she was very open in her acting. And I read an interview uh, about her and how she felt doing, doing a lot of the stuff that she did in this movie. And she said she was able to do it because she did feel safe and she felt very mm. comfortable. And the people mm. on set and around her were able to make her feel that way. Because, my God, the stuff that she went through in this movie or that she acted out, um, I, I think it, it's it's rare to see someone at her stage or someone that has a name today do the stuff that she did in this movie because there's a lot of stuff that she did but I think her acting is brilliant brilliant. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow she gets talked about during the whole Oscar race when it starts happening and when the the buzz and all that starts really happening now as far as the movie is concerned um, one it was really long. It was really really long. Um, it, it's like 2 hours and 47 minutes or something like that. Uh there are times where it felt it but those times where it felt it was when the worst stuff was happening on screen. Um I felt very uncomfortable most of the time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um I it made me f- angry. Um, I found myself getting really frustrated, and you know, yeah, the story of Marilyn Monroe is kind of um up and down right it's it's not it's not a, a an all time happy story obviously she's gone through a lot of stuff and this movie you know pretty much details everything from childhood to her up and coming start to her relationships, all that stuff all the way through to to the very end, right? Now, obviously, it skips certain things, um, and it doesn't tell every specific detail, but it gives you enough to kind of portray how this woman was objectified and victimized by the Hollywood industry, right? Now... We've heard stories about a lot of stuff that happened, especially in old-time Hollywood. Right? There's been a lot of stories that we've heard. There's been a stigma that's uh, been hanging around Hollywood about how women, especially actresses, were treated back in the day, even to today. Um, you know, when and it all came out front, especially with the the Me Too movement and all that. Um, I felt like this movie pretty much treated the character of Marilyn Monroe, the same way Hollywood treated her in real life. Hmm. I felt like this movie pretty much glorified the objectification
1: of this character. You do. I do. I honestly do. Um, okay. And, we're going we're gonna to have to assess that out. because I I that's think fine. I feel the opposite, but I want to hear you out first.
0: Yeah. I mean, like oh. I said, like the, when you tell a tragic story like hers, I mean, I, I applaud the the balls that Andrew took to really, really be so raw with everything and really just like not going to sugarcoat anything, not going to, you know, be, you know, there's not a happy ending here. Just basically be all out and show the rawness of like the details that he wanted to explore within Marilyn's life. Yeah. Norma Jean. But I did feel that there were a lot of times where, there was so much emphasis on the bad. You know, when I said things were lasted long on screen, it was always during the parts that she was going through her worst times, you know? And, And like when she was like mainly objectified, victimized, abused, like all this stuff. Again, we don't know the specific details of these scenarios, right? So, it could have very well been like this or it could have been his liberty and his take on it and this is how he wanted to portray it. I felt a lot of that stuff was not necessary. I sure. feel like uh, another creative eye would have been able to do the same thing by showing less, maybe. You know? Yeah. um Hinting at stuff. You know? Maybe showing a little peek through a keyhole or through sure. a window or, you know, the before and after or something like that. Now... If he wanted, if he was looking to punch you in the gut, and that's the kind of effect that he wanted to have on you with this type mm-hmm. of movie, a plus, he did that for sure. At least, you know, especially for me, but I did feel like um, one of the reasons why this movie is so controversial is because I do feel like he really not kind of slammed Marilyn and, and just be like, "This is this is my my my." Uh, my my piece where I'm just gonna like show that she's a whore and you know this and that and blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff like that. I, I see a lot of reviewers saying those things. I'm not gonna go that far but I will say that it it definitely there were a lot of things and choices that he made that I thought were very unnecessary. And at the end of the day when the movie finally ended, I was glad it ended. I was really really you know I, I watched it all the way through because I, you know, mm. I was invested and I kind of wanted to see where it, it went because I wanted to really talk about it truthfully and everything. But I felt extremely uncomfortable watching this movie. Um, mm. Again, it's not it's not it doesn't have anything to do with uh, Anna de Armas' performance. You know, Adrian Brody was great in this. Bobby Cannavale was was really good in his role with what he had to do. Everyone in this movie acted out really well. But I think it's just the story choices and the, the 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 things that were decided to kind of highlight and emphasize. Um, it, it it I I really it did not sit well with me at all. And another and plus, I don't know. Have you heard about any interviews he's done about this movie recently? No, no. So there's this one article I found on IndieWire. I'll share it on the screen with with everyone right now. Um, Blonde director Andrew Dominic dismisses gentlemen prefer blondes as film about well-dressed whores. Um, Quote, unquote, does anyone watch Marilyn Monroe movies? Asked Dominic, director of the Marilyn Monroe movie Blonde. So basically, this article goes through basically, um, you know, the the one interviewing him tries to get a feel of how he feels about Marilyn, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really come across as he has any specificity of uh, appreciating Marilyn for what she's done or, you know, seeing her as the icon that everyone sees her as. Um, you know, in the interview, Domin- I'll read another excerpt here. Dominic also calls Mar- Monroe's famed uh, diamonds are a girls' best friend moment in gentlemen prefer blondes, akin to sisterly advice to loose women. If you're going to fuck, make sure you get paid. Dominic mused on the message. Or is it just romanticized whoredom? Um so very, very harsh words, I think, in my opinion, or harsh opinions, I should say, about Marilyn's line of work. So was this a guy that would really do justice for a character like Marilyn in doing a movie like what he did? Um I I, I don't know. I, I question that right now. And maybe this is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Um okay. and and before you, you I, I drop it off to you. Um, There are also some, you know, things that he took liberties with, like, like the whole threesome relationship. Like, that's not true. That never happened. Um, You know, that's already been debunked by, by people who know the the history and facts and all that, because the timeline doesn't even make sense. um, And all that, Um, especially like receiving the letters um, from her quote unquote father, when it was really, you know, this one guy and all that, like that timeline doesn't really make sense. Um, Like you said, the JFK thing—we don't know if that really happened. Um, You know, basically, where she was just treated as a um, a, an on-call mistress, and you know, basically raped, and then uh, when she found out she was pregnant, you know, a whole conspiracy cover-up about the whole thing. Um, By the way, the reason why this movie is rated NC-17 is probably because of that one particular scene in this movie where she just basically gives JFK a blowjob and the camera stays on that part for a very, very long time. Um, but that's probably why we got the NC-17 rating there. Um, but yeah, and then the the domestic abuse received from Joe DiMaggio. Um, you know, it wasn't shown on camera, but boy, you heard it. And it was very brutal and all that. You know, that's probably true because there have been sources that have reported that when she did that part in that movie, um, she came back to set the next day with bruises uh, that she had to hide and all that. So that's probably all factual and all that stuff like that. But again, a lot of hearsay, a lot of hearsay and all that. Um, but yeah, um, I I don't think this is a movie I can really recommend to anybody um, mm-hmm. because it would... Hmm. Unless I know that they can sit through it with an objective mind and kind of just like, you know... If I say this is probably the best performance Anna de Armas ever made, you should watch it mainly because of that. If I feel like they can do so and appreciate that performance from her and be open to the movie, then I'll go ahead and do that. Um, but if I feel like someone's just a casual movie goer and all that, I would say probably you'd want to stay away from this one. Um, also, the whole thing about the daddy issues, I mean, he made that very clear um, from the beginning and how it played all throughout when she, you know the fact that she has to call all of her uh lovers and and husband's daddy all the time uh because she's always looking for that father like figure to protect her and take care of her i that also made me extremely uncomfortable um but again this is just me these are just my opinions this is just how i take the movie uh other people will will receive and take the movie very differently i'm sure um but blake what are your thoughts and take? I, sure. This is a heavy subject, so yeah. and yeah, I definitely don't want you to to hold back, but yeah, what what you, what did you feel about the movie?
1: Um, so I'll give you like my overall, and then we'll yeah. we'll get a little more into um, some your the what you didn't like about it because I yeah. think I'm coming from the opposite end, uh, but I I I hear what you're saying, and it makes sense to me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, when it's this is based on a book, and the book does a lot of these, the, the fiction part, and if it's a morality tale, and <laughs> I'll, I'll go more big picture. I went into this movie thinking it was going to be a glamorous movie about a Hollywood icon. So did I. Glamorous yeah glamorous woman. I thought it would be a very silver screen um, rendition. And romanticizing there would, of course, be like, Every biopic where, okay, they became famous, now they're gonna start drinking too much and yeah. then they'll have some issue, but then they'll overcome it, something like that. And I knew her story was more tragic than that. I didn't think yeah. they would lean into it. Not only did they lean into it, that's all that this movie was. Right. So, yeah. Up front, uh, I wrote down content warnings uh, for, for the movie uh, out of a list. Like, I went through a list of, like, here's all the possible content warnings and, like, grab the ones that were. So basically, child abuse. Domestic violence, sexual assault, miscarriage, substance abuse, mental illness, and sexism, misogyny. And basically every moment of this movie is touching on one of these things. And there's like about three minutes where she's happy. She moves out of L.A. She gets a, a beach house with her third husband. And you go, oh, cool. They'll take it easy for oh no fuck it's back and immediately goes back into the brutal of it all. Mm. I don't. Well, I I did enjoy the movie and I actually enjoyed the choices they make that made that you that I, you didn't seem to enjoy. I can't recommend it to anybody. Uh, this is I was talking to a friend about it yesterday actually, and I said, "Oh, dude, it was so so good. Don't ever watch it, no matter what. I really <laughs> liked it." Yeah, and I know you would love it, but never ever watch this movie under any circumstance because I know this friend and I know their their, their sensibility. I, I. The joke we're making is that there's some movies out there that only one person in each friend group sees, and they go back to their friend group and they go, "Oh my god, that was an incredible piece of filmmaking. Don't ever watch it, no matter what." Yeah, and everyone kind of like makes it into this like, "Uh, do I really want to watch Requiem for a Dream? Am I really willing to ruin a whole weekend or a whole month?" I left this theater and had a hard time walking. I had to stop somewhere on the way home and get water because I was panicky. This is the first movie this has happened in a long time. I had to excuse myself during part of the movie, uh, which I'm not going to go into like my personal history, um, but I had to excuse myself and sit in the bathroom stall for about ten minutes and try to like get out of the theater and out of. And I'm actually feeling it now. It's weird. Like I just felt like a rush into my head. Um, do, you mind, of, do you
0: mind if I ask which part?
1: Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, okay. It's her mom in the hospital when she goes to visit her. Yeah, that That one, and I think almost anyone who's had some experience with these content warnings we laid out will have moments like that because the movie leans into it so fucking hard. And there's a lot of people out there who are going to go into this movie thinking it's going to be a lovely Hollywood glamour story, and then at that moment or one of the any other moments in this what almost three hour movie will go. Oh fuck! I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I d- can't imagine how many people are going to watch this on Netflix, where mm-hmm. they just see, "Oh my god, the new Marilyn Monroe movie." I love Anna de Armas. Click play. I, it's almost like they should have had like a five minute like a uh, uh, mind clearing exercise, a therapist leading it, and then like they check in on with you afterward. Yeah. I was properly <laughs> not okay. In fact, when I when I went, I Ana de Armas' performance was so enrapturing, so good. When I went to the bathroom during the movie, um, my hair was brown when I went in. And then I, I popped out. I washed my hands. I looked up. And then that's how – because last time we recorded, it was brown. And, and that's what happened during the that movie. Explains it it. That explains it. Literally, it was like chemical bleach on my head. Um, it, the, the movie does – it seriously burns in in a, in a lot of those ways. Uh, my only real curiosity going into it was I heard someone complaining about Ana de Armas' casting and her accent that they saw in the trailer. About five minutes in the movie, I said, oh, that's not going to be a problem. Yeah. I think part of it is what happens in bi- uh, in biopics like this is the first, and it happens with anyone doing an accent work, is Leo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt. They're great actors. They do an accent, mm-hmm. and then it falls a few times, and people pull sure. those moments, and they go, well, this is the worst accent work ever. What usually happens is in the movie, the first five, ten minutes, they're very focused on getting the accent right. and then they kind of like ease off it. And then by the end, you like if, if that's done correctly, like everything in a movie, is it on the big theater or is it on my TV screen? Is the volume too loud or whatever? Like you just get used to things during yeah. a movie because you're so into that experience, it becomes reality. Yeah. There, there was, was a few I, I, I will yeah, yeah, I will
0: say the one time where it was really noticeable is when she was having that sit down with Arthur Miller. And they were talking about, yeah, she was giving her advice about, oh, I want to do this with this uh, character. Yeah. And then, that, like, it felt like she just forgot about it. And she, I thought this was Anna really talking at that moment.
1: And I think at the end of the day, I also, so one, she did such a great job acting. Yeah. And that was so rare that I was fine with it. And it feels like one of those things, like on a technicality, someone can say, oh, this movie was fat, historically inaccurate, therefore it's bad, or her accent was inaccurate for a few moments, so therefore it's bad. Overall, is Anna de Armas true to this version of Marilyn Monroe? And I think the real question at the end of the day for any movie is, is it telling its story well, and is it staying true to the story it's telling, not necessarily <laughs> history, it's a question that happens with actors is the Oscars often reward someone who does a really good impression. But what I think is much more important is do you capture the essence of the person regardless of mm-hmm. what their nose look like or their hair color or any other factor about them is, did you capture the essence of that in this version of the story you're trying to tell? And I think she did a damn good job at that. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, the cinematography I hearing you talk about it, because it was so well done. Yeah. It's interesting because you didn't like you liked the editing a lot, but uh sorry, the directing, the cinematography, but also it was very heavy-handed at Mm -hmm. times, similar to how heavy-handed the story was. The actual plot is showing things and describing them in detail that are really hard to look at straight on. And the director is showing a very heavy hand with how much emphasis they're having on what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Any normal person holding a camera who is allowed to make a movie can like put a camera on two actors. This one is there's a lot of intention to it. So I would say like heavy handed is one of the biggest words of this movie. That's Um, a good way. Yeah. Some of the acting choices are very loud. The costuming, the black and white, the color, very, sometimes melodramatic at worst, but most of the time it feels pretty earned. Um, I like seeing people take big swings, and I do feel like it hit. On this one, the question of, like, when you're talking about what you love, and, like, they did black and white uh, and color, they changed the ratio of Mm -hmm. the screen. There are a lot of things that they did. Was that too heavy-handed? And I would normally say yes. There's some directors who are just—they learned a lot of stuff at film school and they want to try it all out. When when I like it is when it actually helps tell the story. And sure. in this case, it absolutely did, in my opinion. There's some of them where you go, well, why did he go to full color there? Why did the aspect ratio right. change? But like, it's one of those you might not understand it at first, but after like a couple viewings or few, you could at least develop a pretty good theory on. Oh, he does this during this time of her life, and maybe this is why. Yeah. Um, like
0: like the way I was looking, I was you know because again I, I when I watch this movie or any movie, I always look at it with two mindsets, right? One, just the movie as in, in general, right? And then two, the art of making the, right. the art and movie. Right. So I was trying to see, okay, is he switching from color to black and white to differentiate reality versus what's in her mind or what she's seeing? Is it going from widescreen to you know the cropped version because? Right this is you know a transition from this to that and i feel like in some cases it was but in other cases i could not tell why he decided to make that choice you know um so like to your point was it too heavy handed i'm sure yeah i could probably say it was for sure but in his mind there there has to have been a reason right so oh, I think if there's there was. like a i actually yeah.
1: I'd be happy to like. Uh, I'd be happy to theorize it. What I actually need to do is go back with a notebook and mark. Okay, this is what's sure. happening with this. Whatever. But any, this would be an interesting one for any film school uh, class to do, which is just like come up with theories on why he made these choices. Because there's a lot of choices that the director's making, and yeah. you can see him working throughout the movie. Yeah. Um. Which to me partially makes sense, regardless of what the meaning was, because this is a movie about Hollywood. And heavy handedness, and Hollywood's effect on people. Um, there are movie makers here who have too much power, um, and in this case, having a very loud uh, director and cinematography and editing, the the Hollywood system of that day has an outsized effect on the movies that are created and the actors and there are people who are literally forced to date other people in order to better their careers in order to help right. make the studios more money etc like we can't say that Hollywood wasn't heavy-handed back then in its effect um, and control on the subjects that it, that it, uh, they were working with um, so in that case even regardless of like what he was getting at and I do I have to assume it does enhance the meaning of the story, even if it's not clear to the audience why it's. But my theory with art is always, even if I don't get it, subconsciously it's having an effect on the audience. So someone can go in and go, I didn't get it. That was dumb. It didn't make sense why he switched to black and white. People can always say that. My theory is if it's done well, and I don't know how well it was done here, but it always has an effect subconsciously no matter Mm -hmm. what. And that can help bring someone to feel a certain way that they don't even know why they're feeling that way. And it can enhance the meaning of something, even if it doesn't make them know what that meant to them. That's my theory there. So um, I was okay with it in this, this case. I love this director's work in general. I love Ana de Armas. Um, Her Hollywood trajectory is absolutely lovely. Oh my God. And I'm so glad she got this vehicle. Absolutely. Adrian Brody and Bobby Convale, like give them just, if they're the people you're bringing off the bench and they only have small, hell yes. Every time yeah. I've never been mad to see those dudes on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I, I to, uh, is there any like factual stuff you want to talk about on any of that? Cause then I do want to get into the, the overall take on the movie. Cause you I mean I, like, like what, what anything you, you want to reply to from there. Cause then I'll kind of like move on to my response to what you were saying about what you didn't like about the movie.
0: No, not 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 really. I mean, I felt like I I well. chimed in exactly on on some of the points you were making. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I I th- I think you know it's it's good. This is definitely one of those movies, and and I think we love movies like this where we have to have a conversation about it because I you know it's obvious like you have a different take than I do, um, which there's nothing wrong with that you know at all you know. But being able to hear why that is 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 very fascinating, interesting. Um, you said there was a moment in the movie the the moment where she's visiting her mom in the hospital that you had to take a break and you had to kind of leave for a bit I am always very sensitive when it comes to abuse like women abuse and all that because of some things I've you know experienced in my history and all that stuff like that so every time I see that portrayed on screen it really really frustrates me I get very angry mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that scene at the end of Requiem of a Dream where you have uh, I'll just say the dildo scene, right? Like that bothered me big time when I when I watched that movie. Great movie. And but I, I couldn't go back and watch it again. No. You know, like like anytime I see something that is so raw and real yeah. that is portrayed, you know, it affects me. And unfortunately, you know, this was portrayed a lot throughout this movie. You know, so that could be a, another reason oh, yeah. why I feel the way I feel, right? Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, very, very, and like I said, if the intention was there, his story and intention was purposely to emphasize all these things to kind of be like, this is how bad Hollywood is, this is how bad, you know, people are treated in this space, in this industry. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw it now all back in your faces. And this is, you know, my interpretation of everything. Then kudos. Brave, brave, bold move to do. And mm-hmm. it, it it's he did a perfect job at it because, you know, again, I love this industry. I love movies, but I know it's not all sunshines and rainbows in the in the back end, right? Especially yeah. during this time. Especially during that time. Uh but yeah. But yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the um um, I I, I mean, I actually had this before. Is I I went to the Paris Theater in New York City, and I know we like to always talk on our theater review yeah. experience. So this was a fun one. The Paris Theater is the one that Netflix bought mm-hmm. uh, and runs now, and I believe at least before it was, they want to give Netflix movies a, a theatrical release so that they can be qualified for yes. Oscars. Yes, that was at least the mm-hmm. the reason that that yep. made sense. And that's the Oscars still do have the theatrical requirement, and Mm -hmm. since COVID, it's coming back something like that. Um, So I made sure to see it at this theater because this is one of those old school theaters. I believe Um, the building is from the 20s or 30s, something like that. Um, There's red velvet seats and carpets, and it's very small, but they do a good job. Even though like it's not going to be you know a Dolby surround sound theatrical experience. A few of my favorite movies have been at this theater, and it's one of those New York legendary iconic cinemas. And when it was closing a couple years ago, it was really sad, and then Netflix saved it. So say what you want about Netflix and their impact on movie culture, but thank you for saving the Paris Theater. Um, There was a line when we got there. There was an air of excitement, and it was a lot of young, cool, cinephile folks who are hyped about this movie. And I was... I think if you go to like a random, like I'm from Oklahoma, if you go to random Oklahoma City theater and whatever, it might be folks who are looking for the Marilyn Monroe movie, the fun times movie. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, oh, yeah, she's a uh, Hollywood icon. I love Hollywood icons. And I read People magazine. Let me go check this movie out. Like, it's not it's not that movie. Right. Um, yeah. This this audience seemed primed for an art house theater. It's almost like they all knew who Andrew Dominic was. And we're like, I'm going to see right. his next movie. Kind of. Yeah. Seeing it there and I made sure to get front row seat of the balcony and I normally would like to sit very close to the screen But I wanted the experience which you actually see Marilyn Monroe in a movie theater in this movie Mm -hmm. I wanted that experience of what you see in old Hollywood movies where you're seeing that old-school theater and watching people watch the movie There was something like it made sense for this movie about old Hollywood to watch it in an old theater where I could see the, the theater itself That was very cool. That was a great choice. I loved it. And I also got to every now and then like look down and like see how people reacting. I will say, while the audience was very enraptured by it, I only saw one person walk out and I was shocked. It wasn't more. Mm -hmm. Um, One good reason to see this on Netflix is you get to hit pause or fast forward through the scenes that you can't stomach. Yeah. Um, There were a few times where what they're showing on the screen is so horrible and horrific to watch. People had nervous laughter that's always a tricky one anywhere you are because it seems like they're laughing at something painful, and it's almost like this weird human psychology thing where someone laughs and the other person is crying, and they're both having a similar reaction to the sim- to the same thing. Yeah, but this person's reaction will piss this person off. So I actually felt that and like noticed there was some tension because there's a few times. People were perturbed by what was happening on screen. You can't say they thought it was funny or silly, LOL. But they had like a, oh my God, kind of like reaction like to a, it.
0: Which... Yeah, like a defense mechanism kind of thing. Like
1: yeah, reaction. seriously, for yeah. real. And you, But it was interesting. I would almost recommend, unless you can see it in an, like a classic theater that maybe Marilyn Monroe could have had a premiere at in the 50s, I would say maybe see this one at home for sure. Partially for that reason, so that if you do have a really intense experience, there's not other people there for it right otherwise i always love seeing a movie in a theater and i'm gl- i am glad i saw this one in a theater regardless and it was kind of helpful to like be around other people who are experiencing mm-hmm. something equally um it, like it can be triggering or at least like hard to watch at best um yeah. as far as so i think it's pretty clear like uh, from, from what i've said so far i loved the way this movie was made i loved mm-hmm. the directing the cinematography the editing the acting as far as the plot and the script and the story and how heavy handed that was, and they kept showing her going through horrible things, I'm going to, I'm going to like, and I'm happy to get into it. I'll, I'll, I'll be more direct um, than maybe I have been in the past on some things. I, I think I, I disagree with that view of storytelling and movies. It's a question of are, when you show something on the screen, are you glorifying it? And if the purpose of telling this story is to get across a message, to get at some truth, whether or not it historically happened, it can affect the audience's interpretation, of course, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't determine was it successful or unsuccessful. And similarly, I don't think he was trying to tell the story of Marilyn Monroe's life. And if he was, he would not have made this movie and would not have made a lot of the choices he was. I actually don't think this is a movie about Marilyn Monroe. Obviously, it's a movie about Marilyn Monroe, but at the heart of it, the actual story he's telling is a morality tale of what can happen to a young woman in Hollywood. But also, we're getting deeper than that, right? We're going, a woman who, who in society is mistreated at every turn, abandoned, neglected, assaulted, and worse Mm-hmm. By essentially everyone in her life at various turns, with very few exceptions. Yeah. To the point where, I actually won't say this one because it, it's the only thing that might be a spoiler to folks, but there's a couple people you trust early in the movie who turn out to betray her later on. Right. That's the only thing I think, actually, especially since this is like based, it's kind of based on this true story, but it's really based on a biographical fiction, which is right. based on someone's life. I think at the end of the day, the most important takeaway from this movie, if you are going to ask for like a message of it, and there's there's a lot you can take away, but mm-hmm. the one that stood out to me was, I talked to a female friend afterward, who has an issue with being sexualized, mm-hmm. and we've had conversations about that before. She gets catcalled. I've like I've heard stories of men literally grabbing her in inappropriate ways at the bar. Um, the amount of women who've dealt with these things yeah. in life is essentially so egregious to where any yeah. meninist who wants to say, like, oh, man, men have it worse, women don't understand, they're trying to get it. Any of the things that people say, you listen to, like, you just have a few female friends and you hear their stories, dudes. Like, yeah. just listen for a second Seriously. and you go, oh, my God, that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That is so dehumanizing. Yeah. I Like, your defense mechanisms, your coping mechanisms would have to be built up so Strong. I don't. I. I know I would crumble if I tomorrow woke up and started experiencing the dehumanizing reality of what women experience in our society on the day to day. I would not be able to handle it. The this friend told me afterward. I hope that men watch this movie and they, finally, understand what it's like to be a woman in this society. That they get it. That how what it's like to be treated like a piece of meat or an object to be dehumanized to be overly sexualized. And even, like, we, we are looking at Marilyn as a girl who's mistreated by her mother. And so it's not just the Hollywood studio or how men are treating them. It's life, there is also life. the life. Men- and then, which makes me think, of there was something else you said wh- about why did they only show all these awful things? I think that's the story they're telling. And they're not, they actually leave out all the Hollywood glamour icon stuff Essentially, there's none of that. There's basically, out of what, a two-hour, 45-ish minute movie, there's maybe two minutes of that. And even those get tainted before or after by these horrible experiences. It's very heavy-handed, but they're sending out a, a strong message of this woman who is essentially, like, you could look at her as a martyr or... Um, like an icon of dehumanization. Mm -hmm. I read her afterward. I didn't do a lot of the, like, what the movie was and wasn't true articles, which I normally do after biopic, but once I understood, like, okay, they're not really concerned with the truth uh, as it happened, um, it's essentially what is true about someone and you're hearing stories from 70 to 80 years ago and Marilyn Monroe believed things about herself to be true that weren't true about her upbringing. Yeah. So at that point when you like have a question of lost identity and where did I come from, et cetera, like at the end of the day, what people believe about themselves and other people is really what happens and matters in life. If everyone treats you like your skin is purple and your skin isn't actually purple, like does it, it you still, the effects are real of how you're, how you're treated and perceived. Um, but what I did do is I read her, her personal life up until Hollywood. That was the only question was like, what was it really like for her growing up? And how did she become famous? Oh my God, the amount of things they left out that are horrific. This movie doesn't touch on her teenage years. If you don't want to feel like how you felt during this movie, do not read that part of her Wikipedia bio. There's a certain turn in her life that happens around 15, and it is one of the most gut-wrenching things I have ever read happening to a human. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the Wikipedia, like, the the summary version. Like, we're not getting the details. There's essentially someone who abuses her. She's taken away from them, leaves them, gets taken in by someone else, who then becomes sick and dies. Um, And I'm going to... These might be factually a little bit off, but it's roughly... One person gets sick, can't take care of her anymore. So she goes to someone else. And then that family... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. that She finally gets someone taking care of her. That person gets sick. So then she goes back to the abuser because that was her best option. She has to live with them because that is the only option for her in life. And the only reason she's taken away from them is because they l- are leaving California. And based on state adoption laws, they're not allowed to take her with them. Mm-hmm. But she... Wanted to go with him because that was better than the alternatives. And that's wild. And we're talking about a woman who's stymied and abused and, like, forced into a certain way of being in order to survive. And people just keep using her and taking advantage of her until she basically becomes a has to become a charmer in order to survive it's like a learned coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and has to become so damn good at that she's a legendary historical icon and it's still happening to her during that time the abuses keep piling on and she eventually dies young because of course you do because the body and the mind take a toll even if you learn how to survive i think that's essentially the story that's happening here i want to rewatch it to see how the director tells that story and some of the cinematography things. And there's this ongoing thing of the bright lights and there's the camera flash where there's this bright circle. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's a moment where she's looking out of a window and it's this bright white light and it kind of starts to consume her. She's in the hospital bed and there's the bright circle light that looks a lot like the paparazzi. There's those things. And then there's this other thing that keeps happening where darkness encloses around her we're kind of like the old Hollywood movie where it kind of goes like the yeah. that's all folks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and then at the end of the movie, I was curious, are they going to end with hope and this white light consuming the screen or will it go the other way? And it goes the other way. It's her eyes are closing and they actually show it where it starts to kind of like the blackness of the screen starts to take mm-hmm. over. Well, I don't think had, I'll ever be like, able to watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> um, she also
0: She also has like that mantra that she repeats to herself when she yeah. is either in a difficult state or she's trying to like psych herself out about focusing on the the, the ring light yeah basically yep. Focusing on, so that that does play heavily throughout the entire movie
1: oh for sure for sure and yeah. then i think the question is is she able to transcend her circumstances or yeah. will she succumb to them and there are times where she transcends them and she she becomes that glowing ball of light this like transcendent um infinite soul who's the as bright as any like camera flash bulb and the shining star of history. And then the qu- other question is like, or does the darkness take over and does she succumb? And of course she has to, she's a human being after all, even if people weren't treating her that way. So well, I want to rewatch it um, and understand what I just said better, I don't know if I'll ever be able to. That's one of those like Requiem for Dream, I might watch that one one time and call it, I know I'll want to because the craft of this movie was so strong. And I do think the message is important. But does that make sense when I'm talking about, like, this is not a story about Marilyn Monroe. And if it is, this is a fucked up way to do it. Because you basically took all of her humanity away. Yeah. I think it does a good job of telling that story in the way that they strip away her humanity and the bright moments of her life and the times when she's, like, just having a good, fun, chill time. And instead, yeah. they're telling a different story than the story of Marilyn Monroe, the whole human being.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I understand what you mean by that, and for for all we know, you could be right. You know, again, if I we, yeah, if we oh, okay, no, that's fine. Uh, I'll just, I'll just, you know what? I'll just call up Andrew Dominic right now and have him okay, confirm. Well, you know, like was you? this, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, if his main purpose was to not tell a Marilyn story but mm-hmm. use her as an example to tell the story he wanted to tell perfectly fine however if he if this in his mind was no this is the way I see Marilyn and this is the way that I, I think her story should be told then it's really really fucked up it's really really messed up but here's oh, my sure. my issue with that then If you wanted to tell a story like this, why use her name in the first place? You could have told a similar story by using fictional characters, doing similar situations and all that stuff like that, and would still have that same effect, in my opinion. Because my problem, my prop, no, my problem with that is because someone who doesn't know anything about Marilyn Monroe will see this on Netflix. Like you said, ooh, a story about Marilyn Monroe watch this movie and will think that this is exactly everything that she's about and all that you have movies that were done in the past like Jackie and Spencer Spencer oh you know
1: those are the first two movies I thought of after watching yeah movie, so movie. same same and you want them to change those movies so that they're not called no no Jackie no 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 no, no. Called, like Tabitha no 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 no
0: that's Samantha. not what I meant what?
1: that's no I know right yeah uh that's not what those I meant aren't, sure, those aren't factual Actual, either
0: they're they're not, but they were done. I think in a still effective manner that they didn't really have to focus on a lot of like the big negative stuff. Spencer? I think Spencer, more than Jackie, for sure, especially with her, you know, her uh, eating disorders, her depression, and you know the 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 falling apart of her marriage and the her isolation and all that stuff like that. Very haunting stuff, right, for mm-hmm. sure, but again, I, I think it's all in how you portray it on the screen, it's all how you narrate the story without having to focus so 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 much on every little small aspect of the because, like you said in this movie blonde, um hardly were there any moments that focused on her like greatest achievements. You know, like, yeah, she was cast in this movie. She was like all this kind of stuff like that. You know, like those were so few and far in between and very fleeting when those moments happen, because it would show. And then all of a sudden something bad happens or something was a negative, you know, you know, reaction of it. She's watching herself on the screen for the first time. And the old geezer next to her, like, puts his hand on her thigh. And all that. So it's like there's never one clear moment where she is at peace. Now, again, maybe this is really what she went through. And that is very unfortunate. Um, But my my only problem is that for someone who really doesn't know anything about Marilyn Monroe, they're going to go to this movie, they're going to watch this movie, and they're going to see her in a very unfair light. I think that has been portrayed unfair on her.
1: towards her. Yes, absolutely. Well, how, uh, but it, the, it's essentially, okay. I, it, the movie is on her side at the end of the day. And the movie is saying what is happening on this screen is bad. Now it's, it, it's showing horrible things that happen, but like a defense attorney, when they def, would defend Marilyn Monroe in court, would go through the list of horrible things that happened to her. They're still defending Marilyn Monroe, and they are on her side. So I don't think that this movie is against Marilyn Monroe or casts her out in any way to be a villain in this story. Or oh no, yeah, no, anyway, I'm not in saying fact, that. They victimize her now. Would she want this to be the story that's told about her? I would be surprised if she would say, "Oh yeah, that'll be fun for everyone yeah. to to understand this part of my life." But there's 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 sometimes the question of like do i tell someone about this bad behavior from this person in our circle or whatever and like i don't want to expose this friend and what happened to them if they don't want to and of course in that case you shouldn't and don't but there's also one where that friend could say i want you to tell this story so it doesn't happen to somebody else right sure so i think that It does, I do agree, and that is the most problematic thing about this. And actually, I do want to find some middle ground where I agree with you. This movie doesn't consider Marilyn Monroe as her whole persona fairly at all. I think this movie essentially disposes of the question of how should we treat Marilyn Monroe as a full, whole human being in order to tell this story. And the other thing you were saying about they should change the name— same with Spencer, same with Jackie, and same with this one. I actually disagree on that. So why they're able to tell this story is because the iconography of Marilyn Monroe is so well-documented and well-known. If anyone wants to know what awards she won or what movies she was in, they can go online. There's There are books about her that aren't the, what's book off of. So... That's not really quick. But then what that allows them to do is go, Oh, you have some you have a notion of who this person is. Now we're gonna build off of that. Otherwise you have to do like it's the old superhero movie problem, you have to do like a two hour backstory and then a ten minute like what happens right. at the end. Yeah. Instead they get to do two hours and forty-five minutes because those parts are already established. And in the collective consciousness, Marilyn Rose is about as established as it gets, especially from someone from seventy years ago, right? Um Jackie and Spencer, they're essentially using the historical known knowledge and where this person lives in our collective consciousness and then gets to use that as a springboard to then advance the story uh, or bring in another element and go, well, did you consider this aspect of their life? Are they actually a tragic hero of history and not just a a beautiful, lovely icon that's been preserved in this snapshot from the past? Um, I do agree, though. They are not... Taking into account the full human experience of Marilyn Monroe. But I I also will say there are things that happen in her life that are much worse than what we saw on this screen, too. So it's not, there are versions where they only focus on the bad and they overly victimize someone. I think this movie, while not everything that happened here we know happened in history, Mm -hmm. this narrative of her life, and like, I, I think the clear reading of her life is this is what killed her, what this movie is showing. These things added up and had a toll, and she eventually required medication and or drink in order to survive and starts losing her mind at a similar age to her mother, who was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. And she ends up uh, becoming a victim at the end. She literally is like there's a body and there is a victim. I don't think that this movie overly victimizes her based on the historical account of her life. I would like there to be a fun version of the Marilyn Monroe story, or at least like the more traditional biopic, right? Where it's just like, we just want to tell a true and accurate story to their whole life and their whole person. The like Margot Robbie is walk-
0: now Marilyn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: okay, like that. Yeah. That, that story that would, that is a movie that will sell a lot of tickets and will be sure. enjoyable, more enjoyable to watch. Hmm. Um, and deserves to, it's a story that deserves to be told for sure. I'm glad this story was told. And I think this story all it needs to be told and that that morality tale that happens at the end of oh they had to keep hitting this on the nail for two hours and 45 minutes and they had to bring that point so home because it is so odious what can happen to a woman in this society and it is so disgusting how how someone can be dehumanized over time based on their experiences if you want to tell that story this movie was very effective at it in my mind and I, yeah. I do think that that's, like, what the story was about.
0: I mean, I hope so. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll say it, it is very tragic how, again, and, and I'm sure many women have experienced a lot of the stuff that she experienced, you know, and again, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that was not told in this movie, but how for a very long time she was trying so hard to fight for the separation of Norma Jean and Marilyn. You know, like Marilyn is just my on-screen persona. Marilyn is what I have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm still Norma Jean. Mm -hmm. And how, as the movie progresses and as her life progresses, she starts forgetting about Norma Jean. And it's Marilyn who just fully takes over. And that is just extremely sad up until the very end where really there is no more Norma Jean, right? And she gets slightly reminded... When she receives that package in the in the mail, you know mm-hmm. when finally someone refers to her as Norma uh, mm-hmm. Norma Jean one more time, and that's really like her breaking point, right? That's like mm-hmm. where you know, and then uh, the tragic death and everything like that. So, again, this movie did its job, whether it was to punch us in the gut, tell a, a scathing, raw story of uh, how someone of this stature can be objectified and and all that stuff like that. Um, Some liberties here and there um, and everyone is going to see this movie or who decides to watch this movie will, I'm sure have their own take on it and all that. And like, like, like for you and for me, maybe because of our own personal experiences, certain things will hit us harder than others. Right. Right. Um, But I guess at the end of the day, that is the brilliance of cinema. Right. That is the brilliance of this type of storytelling. Right. How this type of story, when done in a certain point of view or a certain aspect, can be so gut wrenching or can be so. Divisive. You know how, like, it, 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 it makes me think of, you know, like, when a Star Wars movie comes out and you have the Star <laughs> Wars fans and they're like, oh, this is not how Star Wars is supposed to be. Yep. Or you have the other people like, oh, this was, like, one of the best Star Wars movies. And they yep. say, oh, Star Wars is so divisive. No, 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 no. This is the type of story that can be extremely divisive. This is the type of movie that could be divisive because of how someone will react and take on the choices made, what was decided to tell, and all that. I saw someone online refer to this movie as today's Passion of the Christ. Oh, my god. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I used you know, to have martyr earlier. I almost said right. Jesus. like she's, a, she's an icon and a yeah. hero, but also dies around the same age.
0: Right. And and how if you remember back in that day, that time when Passion of the Christ came out, how controversial that movie was. But of course, you're touching religion. And, you know, anytime religion is touched, that's when, you know, the the floodgates open and all that. But I I just do hope. I guess my my final thought is going to be for those people who decide to watch this movie and who know nothing about Marilyn Monroe. Maybe Mm -hmm. they know her because of the face or because they they went they're in L.A. once and they see her representation everywhere and all that stuff. After watching this movie, at least do some due diligence to really understand who Norma Jean is and who Marilyn really was, because it's 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 not it's it's not fair to her as a person to just know her for all of this bad stuff. I think it is really uh, important to really understand her wholeness as, as a person and, and to really understand how she had to go through certain things to, to live and to survive and and all that stuff like that. So um, any other final thoughts for me on this movie?
1: I, I, (laughs) I think the question that we're kind of getting at is, is it, effective at telling the story it wants to that'll depend on which seat you're at in the theater and what your human life experience was before that was it affecting i don't think anyone's gonna leave this movie and say that was boring i just wasted my time i didn't feel it no but that that won't happen um if you want to feel something and and are up for it go for it i think i agree with the advice for afterward. And I think the yeah. other advice for before, I really do think this movie, I was joking earlier that they should have had therapists in the theater, like talking to people on the way out. Like, but no, seriously, like mm. warn your friends before you recommend yeah. this movie to them. Like people need to see these content warnings. Like I, I could, I could genuinely see there was someone who leaves during the theater. I excused myself for a little bit, came back. I could literally see someone like not being okay. And like, Oh yeah. This, this movie might in this might sound crass. This movie might have a death toll. There might be people who then return to drink because this brings up some experiences, et cetera. Like, or like whatever it is, whatever their version of how they would respond to that trigger. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 have actually thought about that a lot. Like I want movies to be clear with, we have these seven things. And if you're not mm-hmm. okay with those, don't watch it. Cause I don't want to spoil every movie, but there's some movies I go, I think this one might have some, a blank that I'm not, I'm, I can't do. Yeah. It'll like be bad for me. Yeah. Uh, and then I read the wiki wikipedia plot. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't watch that one. Damn, like seriously, that that's a that's a real thing for this movie. Um, I'm glad that they told the story. I don't know if I could ever stomach it again. I gave it five stars. Um, I think it was well done, no matter what, mm-hmm. on for me. But I I do think there's no one who's going to leave that theater without at least like having a reaction to it for sure. No, or the absolutely. Or on Netflix at home. Yeah. Yeah,
0: no the w- and the one thing that was interesting about this movie and uh, like w- when you watch it in a theater did you sit through the credits and all that stuff?
1: Um, I uh, know I needed to leave a little okay. bit after, uh, but uh, yeah. Okay, so at the very
0: very end, after the credits th- on Netflix, they 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 finally <laughs> a little too late, they finally flashed a little thing like if you know someone who's struggling, please tell them to call this number. And I was like, this would have been very helpful if. At the very beginning, how some shows yeah. or even movies, they, they do do a, a minor disclaimer saying, yeah, this this work of fiction or whatever right. portrays blank, 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 blank. 100%. If this is something that you are uncomfortable with or, you know, someone's struggling with this, please. da 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 da. I think it would have been a little bit better if they did that in the very beginning, because no one sits through the damn credits anymore. You know, yeah. and, and the do, fact to have that a- have <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> no seriously do a biographical fiction one let people yeah. know this is not we're not trying to say this is, but i right. it's one of those things where netflix maybe gives the creator too much control and says you get final cut and he's like i don't want to tell right. anyone i want them to feel it like fuck right. off that's a little that's a little sick to um to do I, I totally agree actually what it should have been was like the telethon there's a scrolling thing at the bottom it's the the phone number at the bottom of the screen <laughs> right here's Su- the suicide hotline yeah. all the way down goodness yeah. gracious um I'm glad we're going to talk about there you know someone else who has multiple personas but oh, yes. it was a much funner experience <laughs> than absolutely experience. yeah Goodness, um so
0: sure. yeah so before we move on to our next movie again let us know your thoughts and comments about uh, what we just discussed. Is Was Blonde a movie that you were able to watch? Were you on the fence? Are you going to th- decide to watch it now or maybe not? Let us know in the comments. Uh, again, we love the comments. Comments are very important for this channel and these videos. We love the conversations and we definitely want to hear from all of you about everything that we talked about. So moving on to another iconic figure in pop culture, this time in music. David Bowie, uh, Moon Age Daydream. So Moon Age Daydream is what I would consider to be really a pure visual and auditory biopic experience. You know, um, the way that this movie was put together um, and the way it kind of chronicles all the personas that David Bowie kind of like embodied, right? You know, and this is what he was really known for, especially as it all started with the whole Ziggy's uh, Stardust persona and all that, which I thought it was going to be mostly that. But then Mm -hmm. it was interesting how they they woven in his later career. And, and, you know, you know, during his moments in the 80s where he was just like, well, I'm just going to basically be a pop icon and was like, you know, doing like the more poppy dance music. Starring in the movies and all that stuff. Um, So it's really, really interesting how they woven in all the different aspects of his career and his creativity. Because basically, if you didn't know David Bowie and just know him from the music, this guy is like an auteur. I mean, he is like a creative mind. He basically, he acted, he wrote, he sang, he, he did art you know he did basically anything you could do he was a fashion icon for god's sakes i mean mm-hmm. like the the trends that he would set during his his uh popularity his moments of popularity um as far as the movie and the the presentations concerned my main regret is that i didn't get to see this in imax because hey. <clears throat> i think watching this in imax which it was like kind of filmed for would have like been like a a breathtaking Again, uh, experience of sound and vision to borrow something from David Bowie there, uh, because l- literally the audio throughout it all, the vision, the visionary effects. Um, you know, they did film some stuff for this to kind of help narrate some of the story. Just like you know, seeing the spaceman on the moon. You know, the the the, the alien that kind of uh, sees the dead body and all that stuff. So those are some things that were filmed. They borrowed a lot of stuff from. Current media, I saw clips from Run Lola Run, uh Clockwork Orange. Like they borrowed so many different clips from a lot of different movies, TV shows, and all that stuff like that to kind of help portray the story. There's no narration, you just hear clips and experts from David Bowie's interviews and and like people talking about Bowie, like in interviews and all that. Um, which is which was very, very well done and edited. But just as a whole it was so fascinating and beautiful to see his life and career portrayed in this way. Um, again, just understanding his creativeness and his cycles that he went through. You know, the fact that he took a hiatus just to kind of rep ramp up and rev up his creative mind You know, as he goes and travels the world. He was basically a nomad for a very hmm. long time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was just so fascinating to see. All I of haven't that. had a
1: home in years.
0: Right. Yeah. He's like living in Africa, Germany, you know, all over Europe and all this kind of stuff like that for like, yeah, for at least five years as he's kind of building his creative mind. And then that's when he decides to come back and do all of these things. Um, and I do love the fact that, you know, one of the, the common threads that happened at the very beginning was that he talks about how he cannot see himself in relationships because he needs to be able to be creative 24-7. And he has no time for that. But then when he gets to that certain point where, you know what? I am open to love. I think I am now ready. And then they tell the sweet story about meeting Iman and them bonding and getting together and all that stuff like that. And even to this day, Iman loves him to death. Um You see her talk about him all the time. Um So I it was a fascinating documentary. It was very, very... Very well done. Um, I was rocking, too, every time the, the music would, like, start oh playing all that. I mean, the songs are just so iconic at this point. One disappointment. They didn't cover that moment with him and Mick Jagger doing that damn freaking song and that stupid video um you know what was it like dancing in the streets or whatever the case uh, is yeah, like yeah. oh my god they didn't cover any of that <laughs> however i did like the fact that uh, they did cover like when he was doing his like basically when he was being more commercialized him and tina turner doing the pepsi commercial i thought that yeah. was really awesome cuz i totally forgot about that um especially for someone like david bowie to be exposed in that kind of light and aspect but um i cannot recommend this movie enough i feel like yeah. anyone who appreciates Rock documentaries, musical documentaries about musicians, um, you know, iconic pop icons. You know, this is definitely something you have to check out. Uh, And if you can do so at a theater, because, again, the the presentation was really meant for that. But uh, Blake, what were were your thoughts on uh, Moon Age Daydream?
1: It would be responsible for me to recommend to someone that they do a lot of cocaine and LSD before going (laughs) to the cinema. But if there was a movie, you were going to do that. Um, No, seriously, the cinematic spectacle, I feel like successfully captured David Bowie's essence. Yeah. Um, I had an awesome time. Actually, it's uh, this one we, we got into blonde really deep. I don't, we there's not as much to say because this was no. more of an experience, like, this is yeah. something that washes over you. Yeah, by the end, they were like, What did I learn about David Bowie? I'm not sure, but I definitely like felt his aura and essence throughout yeah. the movie. Um, my mom was a David Bowie fan from back in the day, like, she was had the haircut, and those that was her scene when she lived in New York in the 1970s was like mm-hmm. those people. Um, I was raised on Bowie, uh, and at least aware of him. I remember the movie Night's Tale* was the first Bowie song I really like, felt and got into *Golden Years*. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, "Oh, yeah. you like that song? Let me let me tell you about David Bowie." Nice, um, nice. As as like an indie hipster dude, like David Bowie is as iconic as it gets for any human in history. Um, yeah. He is so transcendent and so hard to capture and pin down, and he's not very literal. Like right? he's very fantastical, uh-huh. and he's telling he's he's kind of like the although like the Lil Wayne line where he says I'm I'm not a human being, I'm a Martian. Like David Bowie just like embodied that throughout yeah. so much of his career and his artistic persona. I did enjoy what you're talking about, where they got we get to watch watch him settle down a little bit mm. and drop some of the rock star facade, which yep. I don't know to what degree you know. Uh, where he was during that time and how much of it was, you know, under the influence, and how much of it was like the Lady Gaga thing where they can't leave the house without putting on a big costume. Um, right. But he is absolutely epic at that. And it was also cool to see him in street clothes and painting and being a little yeah. shy and nervous in an interview or whatever. It was really lovely to see all of that. Um, definitely. Watch this in the best sound system and best theater you can. Mm -hmm. I got to see it in the IMAX um, Times Square AMC theater. Oh, nice. Very nice. Which made it so much better. And so I did. I wasn't watching it with a critical eye. I wasn't watching it. That's when I realized, like, oh, I'm not going to really like. This isn't a Talking Heads movie at all where there's just like. And then in 1975, Bowie and I went out on the street. And that's when we recorded. Like, it's not that movie. Right. right. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when because you're saying right they put other movies in here Mm -hmm. there are other times where a song is happening and they're kind of doing like a visualizer effect Mm -hmm. of like colors splashing on the screen i was like are these based on bowie paintings is this just the director getting fun with it yeah um i didn't at some point i just said i don't mind this i'm I'm gonna turn off a little bit and then Mm -hmm. just let this wash over and that's how bowie i think is best enjoyed and experienced yeah um when we talked about Elvis, like, I had a lot of facts. Like, oh, I, I know this, this, and this about Elvis, mm-hmm. and this did happen, that, didn't it? Bowie, I, it's interesting because he's such a larger-than-life icon, but literally he can't be pinned down, and I don't yeah. know who he is. And I think some of that's intentional and some of that is part of his yeah. persona. But I also never felt the need, like, with Bob Dylan in college, like, I I studied and read his biographies and his memoirs and, like, mm-hmm. The amount of research and like there's little literal Dylanologists out there. Sure. There, Bowie doesn't have the same thing, and thank God for it, because essentially what I've learned at some point was like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to capture that essence and put it in Mm -hmm. a jar at all. Like it's lightning in a bottle, and it's better to let that thing fly. It is so much more fun to experience the David Bowie documentary this way. Than yeah. the more traditional documentary, I had a, I had an absolutely awesome time with it. So uh, I don't I don't know what all we get into, other than I loved it. I had an awesome time. Yeah. I recommend it fully, especially if you're a Bowie fan, which everyone at least is going to like some of his songs. Some of them are so sure. iconic. They're like, mm-hmm. I don't know what someone would experience and feel if they didn't know Bowie and didn't really know his music or appreciate his persona, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be it's going to be hard to find folks like that because he was so popular yeah anyone who likes bowie definitely recommend if you don't i don't know but like definitely start listening to david bowie and it'll change your life
0: no for sure i i think this is like a great starting point for someone who doesn't know bowie like 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 if you want to introduce someone to bowie like music wise Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm -hmm. the creative side of bowie this would be like a great start you know for for that person um because the 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 doc the the biopic or documentary however you want to call it, um really focuses just on his creativity. It really focuses yeah. on his creativity and his persona, right? Like it dives yeah. in a little bit about how he thinks. You're right. He talks in a lot of theories and philosophy and a lot of like like storytelling, right? Like it's very hard to hear him talk about himself. Extremely seriously and matter of factly, mm-hmm. and be like, no, you know, I I do like to sit down and drink some tea and all that. No, it'll be just like I lavish in the flavor of you know whatever yeah. blah blah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to do my bowie here, but but he always he he's his persona is very fantastical and he carries yeah. himself that way. Um, I love. The scenes, especially like when he's just trying to be like kind of normal Bowie, and he's like standing in customs, just waiting for the person to check him out. And he's so just like good. looking over so the desk, good. wondering what that guy's doing and everything. And like, oh, wow. like everyone around him is like, "Do you know who this guy is?" Like, like why is yeah. it taking so long? Um, So yeah, you're right. You're not gonna get the full details about every aspect of Bowie's life. You're not gonna know a lot about. You know, him growing up and, and being involved in this and da-da-da-da-da. You know, I was lucky enough to catch the the David Bowie exhibit that toured around. Mm, um, yeah. I believe here in the States, it was in Chicago, New York. I actually saw it in Japan because I happened to visit Japan and it just Whoa. opened there. Cool. So I was like, oh, I get to finally catch it here, right? Um, nice. There, you do learn a lot about Bowie's career and, and person. Um, as like his music writing process, how he grows up, how he grew up. Um, one thing that I learned that was very fascinating is that he creative he created this musical software that helped you determine the type of beats you want to put in your music, and he kind of patented it and everything like that. And mm. a lot of people ended up using it. He was a good, yeah. he was helping people produce music and all that stuff like that. Mm. Um, because if, if the one thing that the this picture um, describes is that. There's the Bowie that all he cared about was playing around with sound and and, and kind of like uh, the, the technology behind creating music and sound. And he was playing around a lot with that. Then when you went into the 80s, he kept it simple. And like I said, he, he kept it like poppy and and kind of, you know, dancey and all that stuff, you know, and then so on and so forth. So it was just really interesting when you read the fine details behind the scenes how very key and instrumental he was in creating a lot of that stuff and kind of teaching people uh, how to do it and using in helping people create their music and all that. So very fascinating stuff. Plus, you also know more about his fashion choices and what you know his phases and all that stuff like that. But you know, th- this was just a fun documentary to watch something. something at one point, like you said, when there was popping up like those colors and <clears throat> those designs and like all the psychedelic stuff, I felt like I was at a planetarium watching like those like rock planetarium yeah, type yeah, of yeah. movies exactly. and all that but a in bit a of better way.
1: Going on too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, not like not, not like the cheesy way but like this was like yeah. like like 100 times better than that but it yeah. kind of had that sure. feeling at one point. But for sure. Yeah, no, this was a great documentary. This was a great film. It definitely catch it. I'm glad I was able to see it. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Glad you saw it in IMAX, too, because I could only imagine how mm. phenomenal that felt like. But, uh, yeah. yeah, let us know. Are you a Bowie fan? Are you, do you love Bowie's uh, music? You, are you a fan of Labyrinth? Or maybe uh, one of his, any other movies that he
1: started? What, what let us know one, in the comments. What? Sorry, the, the Man... The um, the Man oh, Who the Fell to Earth? Movie? Yes. Yeah, I tried watching that. That was one of my COVID movies where I was like, I'm just going yeah. b- to I, go through my watch list. This movie was more similar to that because it was just like an experience that like oh yeah, didn't make literal sense. And it was a very yeah. like uh, induced experience. I don't know. Yeah, um, I do like what you said, though. I was saying, yeah, if you're a Bowie fan, you'll love this. If you're not, this is actually, you're right. This is a good like appetizer sampler. Yeah. And you, it's a, a quick way to access the essence of Bowie yeah. without – like the Wikipedia page isn't going to do it at all, no. right? He's more of an experience. I'm glad you got to go to mm-hmm. the experience. I'm glad you got to go the to IMAX. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that David Bowie exists and that this that they they made this. Oh movie. hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's 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 yeah, it it's great. So definitely do check it out. Um, great movie of, of his. Uh, he wasn't a main character, and um, he did a great role in the Prestige, as he played uh, Nicholas Tes- Tes- Tesla. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's probably his best. Yeah, I movie. love Chris Nolan that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I
0: loved him in that movie. It was so perfect. It was so Bowie. Like, you know, that is like Bowie personified right there. So if you're a fan of Bowie, if you're a fan of any of those movies, if you're a fan of his music, let us know in the comments. Let us know if this was something you were able to watch. If you're dying to watch it, let us know your thoughts on everything. But that pretty much ends our episode of Movie Time this week. Before we go, thank you so much for watching and listening. Blake, where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: Go to letterboxd.com. My screen name is BlakeWolfSSN, and you'll see me give both the movies we talked about today five stars on there. Nice, very nice.
0: And as for me, I am Renee. You could see all the handles and uh, tags and whatever you ha- what you want to call it—Twitter, Instagram, here, of course, on YouTube. Um, thank you again for watching, checking us out. For all of those who are regulars, we appreciate your support as always. Again, if you're brand new and you haven't done so already, hit that like, subscribe, notification bell. If you prefer an audio version of this, do a search for Loki Geek on your uh, podcast platform of choice and you could find the channel and download this episode and so much more. So as we close out in our own little Moon Age Daydream episode here, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace out, everybody.